Amen. I also just want to thank you for being you. I said this in our pre-service prayer, but just thank you for loving Jesus. Thank you for loving each other. I, I have the next door app. Anybody else have the next door app? It's like a neighborhood app. Don't get it. It's terrible. This, this is not a recommendation. I'm not on social media, but for some reason, I still got that next door app. And what you read about on the next door app, you'd think it would be like, look at my cute puppy. But instead, unfortunately, it's like, look at my cute car that was stolen last night. Uh, that's really the next door app. It's, it's theft. It's just, there's a lot of, I mean, again, now you're like, oh, well, now I really want to go on that app. But there's just a lot going on, tough things. And some of you are reading those types of apps. You're reading your social, social media posts. And it could be, I, I could say this, it could be a tough season to love, to love with Jesus' higher standard that he calls us to love because of how things are going. And I get it. It isn't always easy. It probably doesn't always feel fair. But I want you to hear this from your shepherd's heart. Before I even start preaching, before I get into my message, I'm so proud of you. And I'm praying for you. And keep it going. Keep, don't give up. I'm proud of you. I'm praying for you as you are ambassadors for Christ. As you, not the person next to you, you. There's heavy ownership on this thing. You represent Christ and his kingdom to a world that so desperately needs him. I want you to hear this again from your pastor. I'm proud of you. And I'm praying for you. Amen. All right. Get to your Bibles. Hopefully you brought them today. Smartphones, tablets. We're in Romans Chapter 13, chapter 13, we're going to do a few verses. I think I'm going to stop halfway through, but we're going to start at verse 8. And if you did bring your Bibles, by the way, I'd encourage you in that. Someone the other day gave me the Spirit-filled Bible or something like that. It's Jack Hayford's uh, Bible. Uh, My former boss gave that to me as a present before he moved away. And just opening up the pages. Maybe I'm old now and just old school, but just something about opening up the pages and writing with my pen. Maybe I'm just, maybe all by myself, but I just felt that. So let's, let's bring our Bibles, and, and I'm a smartphone guy. I love reading it on my, on my Bible app and all those things. But uh, let's change it up a little bit. Let's, let's go crazy and bring the actual uh, paper version. All right, so here we are, Romans 13, verse 8. Oh, this is going to be good. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Wow. He says the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be, they're all summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I mean, right there, love, there's no debt except for what? The continuing debt to love one another. And then he makes a very bold statement. He says, because whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Life spring, that's what we're called to. Did you know that? We're called to love. We are commanded to love. So that means it's not a suggestion. It's not just good advice. It's a commandment. And don't you think we should take the commandments of Jesus seriously? Jesus himself says in John 14, he goes, those who accept my commandments, the the ones that actually obey my commandments, those are the ones who love me. I mean, you say you love the Lord, and yet 1 John 5 tells us this, that, okay, you say you love the Lord, well, this is love for the Lord, to keep his commands. 
So here we are. We're in Romans. Paul is reminding all of us who have professed Jesus as Lord and Savior that we are what? We are commanded to love. That those who love the Lord follow his commands. And all other commands are summed up in one. To love your neighbor as yourself. And then you get to verse 10. Uh, Verse 10, we got there in our daily reading plan early last week. And I'm so thankful for the daily reading plan because it gets me to read stuff that I might not want to read. And yet there I am. And the Lord says, Dan, love does no harm to a neighbor. Other translations say love does no wrong. In fact, the Greek word there translated as wrong or harm Most often it is translated in the Bible and other places in the Bible as the word evil. Think about that. Love. Love does no harm. It does no evil. So I want you to go into your life. Think personally in your life, maybe the last week, the last two weeks. And you don't have to raise your hand on this. You don't even have to say it out loud. But just think, have you done anything lately that was harmful toward another person? I don't want you to just think physically. Maybe you didn't punch another person. But was there something maybe emotionally it was harmful Maybe relationally it was harmful. It caused harm. Or maybe it wasn't something you did, but you had something done to you. You had something done to you and it caused harm. I want you to hear this very clearly. If it caused harm, that was not love. Because love does no harm. Love is a very interesting word in 2023. Love gets thrown around a lot in our culture. Everybody's talking about love. And yet the world's version of love, in my opinion, uh, it's not working. It's not working. As anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, they continue to plague our society. But not just that. Again, that next door app, the the theft, the crime. But even just lower than that, just the day-to-day, the lying, the cheating, the deceiving of one another, just the evil things. And we think it's okay. We act like nothing's broken or wrong. The things, the way we are treating one another. It is wild to me that in the midst of all of that, this is just wild to me, That in the midst of how we are actually treating each other, for years now, we have had a very loud messaging through celebrities, through influencers. Like, it's just all about love. How many t-shirts, how many posters, how many bumper stickers, how many social media posts about love. And yet, again, this is my opinion, but I believe the world's love message, like it is being exposed in real time for what it truly is. See, it's had its moment, like it's had its day. We've all tried it, and yet the world's version of love, it has been exposed as powerless. In my opinion, again, it is causing more harm than good. But see, this is what I love about being a Christian. This is why I'm happy to be here with you today. Because though I am living in a culture that has one definition of love, my God, praise the Lord, my God has a definition of love that actually has the power to change the world. Do you believe that, church? See, he demonstrated this love. He demonstrated real love through the life and death of his son, Jesus. This is the love that we have received from the Lord, but also, church, this is the love we're commanded to give to others. Let me show you. In in this passage in Romans, the word that Paul uses for Romans 13, verse 10, where love does no harm, that word is agape. Right? We're familiar with this if you've grown up in the church. 
This is the version of love that God has shown to us, but also as a people who have a hunger. Anybody else hungry to follow the Lord? Anyone else just passionate to follow? I'm just even during worship. Lord, I am hungry. If I'm all by myself, I am running hard after you. If that's you today, if you're passionate about the Lord, if you're passionate to, commit, to follow his will, to obey his commands, well, then here's the love that you have been commanded to give to others. But I want to encourage you, also you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. To give to others. And let's get real for a second. This version of love, it is higher. It is, woo, it's high. It's next level. It is purer. Yes, it's beautiful, but it's costly. It's going to cost you something. Also, listen to this, church. It is impossible without the Lord's help. The standard of love that Jesus commands you to, it is next level, and you cannot do it on your own. You need the Lord. Listen to William Barclay. This is what he writes about agape love. I'll put it up on the screen. He calls it unconquerable benevolence. This is going to make some of us squirm today. It's so good. He says, unconquerable benevolence, that nothing the other person can do will make us seek anything but their highest good. Though he injure us, though he insult us, we will never feel anything but kindness towards him. Oh, man, it is getting spicy already. That quite clearly means that this Christian love is not an emotional thing. Which, aren't we right now just inundated in a love that is so emotional? It's Even if you feel in worship and praise, like, well, I'm not feeling like it today. Or I'm not feeling like talking to that person. Or I'm not feeling like, like, it's just so, we're all about feelings and emotions right now. But he says, no, it is not an emotional thing. Agape is not only not of the emotions, but you know what it is? It is of the will. I will choose to love you. It is the ability, this is what the Lord does. It is the ability to retain unconquerable goodwill to the unlovely. Unconquerable goodwill to the unlovable. Towards those who do not love us, even towards those whom we do not like. This might be a timely message today. Agape is that quality of mind and quality of heart which compels a Christian never to feel any bitterness. Never to feel any desire for revenge but always to seek the highest good of every man, no matter what he may be. Wow. Hard, yeah, hard. Hard and beautiful, right? Now, the good news is this. I have seen that kind of love on display here at LifeSpring. Like me, like personally, I have experienced that from you. It's the Father's love that you have given to me. And think about it. It wasn't because you felt like it. It wasn't because you were just stirred up emotionally. You chose to love me. Do you know what I'm talking about right now? This is not the love of the world. This is a godly love. You chose to love me. And though I'm not perfect in this, I hope you're seeing that in me. I do that every day. I come in here. I, every, every Sunday. There's not one Sunday I've ever come in like kind of grumpy or half-hearted. I'm all in. I'm all in for every one of you. Why? Because the Father has shown me His love And I ought to do the same to you. It's a love that is a choice. It's an intentional choice. You know that you've had to do that. Life is hard and then it gets harder. And yet you said, no, but I am going to love. You chose to love. A love that does no harm. That's why we're here, right? That's our aim. That's our passion, to walk in love. 1 John 4 says, we love. Why? Because he first 
loved us. Say it again. We love because he first loved us. So again, this isn't about emotions. This isn't how we feel. It's not whether you woke up on the right or the wrong side of the bed. No, this isn't because somebody treated us well. It wasn't because someone was nice to us. No, it is a choice. It is a will-filled, powerful response to what God has done. God has done such a good work in me, and as he has first loved me, so I will choose to love you. And again, we are not seeing a lot of this kind of love in the world today. But painfully, I've also noticed this, that inside the church, inside of me, like we all seem to be struggling with this kind of love. Would anybody else agree that we got some room to grow? We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Why? Because we struggle. I've witnessed the struggle in the church every election cycle. It's true. We take the bait of Satan and we take up offense. Who do we take offense against? Against that person who's actually a precious, beautiful person made in the image of God. And yet we take offense. Why? Because they don't completely agree politically with us. And that's not outside the church. That's like in the church. I have been someone who has witnessed that personally so often. When I was 20 years old, 20 years old, you want a 20-year-old guy running hard after Jesus. And yet at 20 years old, My very conservative Christian friend, he told me he could no longer be my friend because I didn't vote for Bush. That's right. My person got fifth. Look it up. I don't know their name, but they got fifth. I let you know my voting record. Dan votes for fifth place. You don't even get a ribbon for fifth place. That was a punch to the gut. I remember crying. And I was a part of a ministry at Green River Community College, and I almost walked away from that ministry. I just was, de- I could not believe that someone that we had done so much together those two years at Green River would disown me and call off our friendship because of that. I think you see this struggle anytime there's any kind of social unrest. You definitely see the struggle to love when there's any economic instability, like ah, scarcity mindset. <laughs> Can't give it out. I gotta, I gotta hold on to it. I don't have a lot, so can't share it. You definitely saw this during the pandemic. All tempted to compromise in this area of God's higher standard of love, and part of that was just we were all under a lot of pressure. Like wow, during the 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 whole pandemic, I made this comment a few times. Maybe you heard me say this, but when the pressure came, and oh how it came. A deadly virus, political tension, racial tension, economic tension. But in the midst of it all, I would say it was like we were all. A, Tooth, uh, a tube of toothpaste, each of us a tube of toothpaste. And when that pressure came, we discovered what was really inside the tube. And for some people who proclaimed to be Christians, what came out of them when the pressure came, it was not minty fresh. It stunk. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. It was not Christ. It was anti-Christ. Now, praise the Lord. The Lord has used that pressure to expose a lot of stuff in his people. Aren't you thankful? He's exposed, not for our destruction, but for our good. He exposed a lot of ugly stuff in me. Like, thank you, Jesus. Think of it this way. It was an apocalypse. Apocalypse meaning it was an uncovering. It was an unveiling, like just unfolding another layer, exposing what was in the hearts of so many people who had been claiming to be followers of Jesus. And again, praise the Lord. By His grace, He's given you and He's given me this opportunity. Aren't you thankful for today? This opportunity. Cherish the opportunity to what? 
to repent. Oh, glory to God. His kindness leads us to repentance. If you haven't done that yet, today's a great day. Just, oh, Jesus, forgive me to turn from your sin, to turn from your wickedness, crucify the flesh, be filled with the Spirit. Why? So that when the pressure comes again, and newsflash, it's coming again, that when it comes, what comes out of you would be oh so good, so healthy, so clean, so whole, that what would come out of you would be what? Jesus and the love of the Lord. Right? Praise the Lord. Jesus himself, he tells his disciples, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. That's how people are going to know. I love the New Living Translation. It says this. He goes, your love for one another, it will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's what Jesus says. Your love, how you treat each other. Not again this emotional, feely, bumper sticker love, but how you actually treat another person. That will prove to the world that you are a follower of Jesus. Man, don't we want our lives to be this living testimony of the power of Jesus? Well, what's the proof of that in your life? It's the way that you love others. That's it. They will know we are Christians. Amen. By our love. And yet we struggle. We struggle. Now, there's a lot of reasons why we struggle. This higher standard of love, it it can be difficult. I could preach for hours on why. Since I'm only preaching once a month, I got a lot of things to say, but I promise I'll stick to the clock. But one of the reasons, by far, one of the greatest enemies of love, one of the greatest enemies that keeps us paralyzed, that's keeping us gripped and tied down, it's fear. It's fear, absolutely. Because when humans, including believers, it's like just humans in general, when we get afraid, when we become fearful, watch out. It is amazing how, whoop. Right? How quickly we turn away from love. Just, 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 just in an instant. I mean, you feel that in your own life. Like you're just like, man, God's so good and I'm so good and the world's so good. And then like, oh, I hate you. <laughs> you feel that. You feel that in your heart. Again, fear is pretty normal. It's pretty natural. Fear, I've noticed, is actually pretty useful. If there was a lion in front of me, Like a lion, like a roaring lion, who also was hungry. Fear, (laughs) fear is going to be very motivating. It's going to motivate me to either fight or flight. In my faint, you know, like, (laughs) it's going to cause you to do something. So it can be useful for survival. But have you also noticed it can really get in the way of you showing love to others? See, if I'm afraid, if I'm afraid that you're going to steal from me, if I'm afraid you're going to attack me, if I'm afraid that you're going to harm me in any way in that moment, I'm afraid I'm going to struggle to express real godly love to you. I'm a runner. You guys know this. I'll make it quick. But I was running on the trail about two months ago, and this kid, like five, six high school kids were there, uh, five guys and one girl. And uh, one of the boys came up to me, and he says, I want your bleepity bleep 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 shoes. And I said, no. He goes, well, I want your bleepity bleep 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 shoes and all your clothes. So at that point, I was leaving naked. Like, let's be honest. But praise the Lord, his uh, girlfriend or whoever she was said, you know, stop being an idiot. Uh, Leave that guy alone. And I got out of there with my shoes and my clothes. (laughs) But I get it. Like, fear is real. Can we just acknowledge that? Fear is real. But as your pastor, I want us to at least all be aware of how our culture, how businesses, 
how corporations and even churches are exploiting your fears. They are. And some of us, again, are taking the bait. We're buying the lie. I I run uh, on the treadmill over the gym, and I love it. They have all these TVs, and they have CNN and then Fox. So I pick the treadmill that's right there so I can watch them both. What an encouraging run. But you see the headlines going across the bottom. Can we just be honest that even the words that they're choosing are very strategic? Even if the news is true, they are using strategic words. Why? Because the words have fear and fear sells. Fear keeps our attention. Fear keeps us from using the remote and turning the channel. Fear has the viewership go up. And if the viewership goes up, then they can, what, charge more money to the advertisers. If they charge more money to the advertisers, guess what? They're all making more money. That's a part of capitalism. I'm not against capitalism, but can we at least be aware of what is happening to us on a daily basis? Just to test this out, uh, I went to a website, a news website. First thing on the screen, no joke, all caps, top of the screen, shark attack. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even making it up. Even though you have better odds of being struck by lightning, shark attack. Again, why? Because fear sells. So out of all the things that they could have put at the top of their webpage, shark attack. I mean, there's, what, 8 billion people on earth? And yet, shark attack was at the top of the screen. Politicians play into this. Come on, right? You don't see politicians run for what they're for. Like, there might be a little bit of that. Like, this is my agenda. This is, you know, my game plan. But that's not what gets the loudest cheers, is it? Instead, it's all about what I'm against. Even more specifically, it's about who I'm against. Oh, you got to vote for me, Dan. Dan, you better vote for me. Dan, if you don't vote for me, oh, all these terrible, oh, the bad things are going to happen to you. And church, even if that's true, again, the motivation is what? It's fear. It's fear. I'm not talking about truth. I'm talking about a truth that is represented and displayed and communicated with fear. Fear is raising millions and millions of dollars on the campaign trail right now. But then I'd say this as a Christian, like, whatever. Like, that's how it's been going for a long time. Like, for thousands of years. That's the way the world turns. But I'm a Christian. See, and as your pastor, I want you to at least be aware and walk in wisdom. Right? We need to walk in wisdom. So that none of that would surprise us. Again, this is how the world has been turning for a long time. It will continue to run this way till Jesus comes back. But by the way, he is coming back. And I'd also say this, just because that's what the world is selling doesn't mean that we have to be buying. I want to say that again. Just because that's what the world is selling. I get it. That's been going on for a long time. They're just using new technology and new ways to communicate that. But it just because that's what the world is selling doesn't mean we got to be buying. You and I, this is such a good day to be in church because you and I got to remember who and whose we are. In fact, church, we're not ordinary people. We're not just like those people. Come on. We're not like them. And I don't say that to boast in us, but I say that loudly and clearly to boast in what Jesus has done in us. We're changed. Are you changed? You're changed. You've been changed. And because we've been changed, we don't act like everybody else. My mom, who is one of the most godly people I know, she would challenge me on this at the very, when I was a young man, she would challenge me. I challenged my daughters in the same way. I don't care how the kids around you are acting. I don't care how they're treating each other or even you. Danny, you're different. 
You're different. Yes, it's unfair. Welcome to, I would say, Mom, it's not fair. She goes, well, life isn't fair. Right? You do not treat another person based on how they're treating you. You're different. You're a Christian. You're a peculiar people. That's what Peter says. First Peter, he says, hey, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a peculiar people who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. So don't let those who are living in darkness be the model and exhibit A on how to treat each other. Why are we doing this, church? That is what you once were, but that's not who you are anymore. I spent some time in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7 this week. Just powerful stuff where the church was tolerating some sexual sin inside the house. And Paul is pretty frustrated. And he writes this to Christians because Christians actually start suing each other. Like brothers and sisters suing each other. And he just feels that they are failing in the way they're loving each other. So this is what he writes. He says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Oh, man. His heart is broken. You can just feel it. The fact that there's even lawsuits among you. You've been defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, it's you yourselves who cheat. You yourselves who do wrong. And you do this to your brothers and your sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is a message for us today, church. Don't be deceived. Oh, this is not a game. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral or idolaters or adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But, oh, but remember who you are and whose you are. Because you were washed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Remember who you are, church. You're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. That is who you are in Christ. Again, it's a new way to be human. You have the life-giving power and water of the Holy Spirit pulsating through your veins. And yes, though your flesh might be tempted to act one way, even tempted to respond from a place of fear or worry or anxiety, you don't have to give that flesh any oxygen. You can cut it off. In fact, you can crucify it. And you can allow the Holy Spirit to call you and lead you to a higher standard of Jesus' love. Again, it's a higher standard of Jesus' love. Let's see what he has to say about it. This is Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. Oh, man, I love this. He goes, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, oh, Jesus, are you going there? Oh, I'm going there. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, if you love those who love you, What reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than anybody else? Don't even pagans do that? No. Here's his higher standard. You be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow, right? Wow, what a high 
calling we have in Christ Jesus. Do you feel that? Again, it is a new way to be human. I hope there's clarity on that today. We are not like the world. We are a peculiar people where we don't just settle for loving only those who love us back. That is not the club that I'm a part of here, church. It's not the, well, I love you because you love me, or I scratch your back because you scratched mine. That is not the Jesus club. Jesus is more like, come on, that's easy. Anybody can do that. Pagans can do that. But instead, it's a whole new level. It's a Jesus level. Again, he demonstrated this level, what, with his life, but also with his death, where you're called to love your enemies, pray for those who persecute us. Listen, church, this is not... Like abnormal. The things I'm speaking right now, these are the most normal things that Christians should be doing. This is what children of God do. That's what people who love the Lord and follow His commands do. We love other people, even our enemies. Remember who you are. Remember what Christ has done for you. Remember you were His enemy. Remember what He's done. Remember. The old is gone. The new has come. Remember, you're washed by the blood of Christ. You're hidden in the righteousness of Christ. It wasn't what you did. It was Christ, and He covered you. Remember the covering of the Lord over your life. What were you covered by? You were covered by His love. You've experienced the love of Christ that I would say covers a multitude of sins. Anybody else in the multitude of sins category? I mean, I don't know how many a multitude is, but I broke the record, right? I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. I was washed. I was covered. He made me new. Breathing in new life in my lungs. Alive. Forgiven. Free. A new way to live. No longer scratch your back and I'll scratch yours. But just, I'm going to love you. Even though you hate me, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. That's what Jesus showed us. He demonstrated on the cross. He covered a multitude of sins. Think about Peter, right? Peter, he denied Jesus how many times? At least three in that story. It's a heartbreaking story. And yet Jesus comes in. He forgives Peter. He restores Peter. Peter, can we all agree, had a multitude of sins that were covered, washed, and even removed by Jesus. And yet it's Peter who writes in 1 Peter 4, he says, Hey, church, listen up. Above all, above everything else, he goes, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Think about what the Lord has done for you. And now love deeply. It might not be fair. The other person, maybe you don't think they deserve it or earned it. But think what Jesus has done for you. Love deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. As he has loved you, love one another. Right? Let what the Lord has done for you. Let his love be your witness. Let his love be your testimony. Sadly, though, a lot of us fall into this trap. We love Jesus. Like what he's, oh yeah, I get life. Like sign me up. And so we receive his love. And yet again, kind of from a fear and anxiety and a scarcity mindset, we keep it to ourselves. But no way, church. No way. Remember who and whose you are. Be unafraid. We need a boldness to come into our church like never before. And it's a boldness, it's a courage to what? Stand upon the firm foundation of Christ. And I get it. It might not be fair. It might not even be safe. But you step out and you love as you first have been loved. Don't live in fear. Church, don't live in fear. 
Again, the news you're watching, the politicians you're following, the books you're reading, videos you're streaming, the apps you're browsing, even the next door app, they're all trying to get you hooked, to stir you up on fear. And it's working. Some of y'all going down crazy rabbit holes on that internet. You're right? It's just not working for you. You're listening to that Friends Guys podcast more than you're listening to the Bible. If you want to listen to that Friends Guys podcast for an hour, then at least give the Bible two hours. Don't you think that the Bible, the Word of God, deserves at least twice as much? Twice as much. I mean, I don't think that's saying a lot. But give the Word of God a chance. Because this is what the Word of God says, Romans 8, that nothing and no one can separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. But it goes on to say that not even death itself. You don't have to be afraid. He's got you. He's got you. Some of you have loved ones who have gone to be with the Lord. They love the Lord. He's got them. Like right now, He is living with them. They have life. Nothing and no one can separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus, not even death itself. So I can't promise you safety. That's silly if I did. I can't even promise you a long life. That would be irresponsible of me if I tried to do that. I've done a dangerous thing. I've been reading about early missionaries lately. (laughs) You know the common denominator of early missionaries? They or somebody close to them died. They died. So I can't promise you a long life. But we are so confused in 2023. We are addicted to comfort and convenience and entertainment. And I got to have some fun. I mean, what a bunch of hooey. Because what is, I mean, we're Christian. Remember what he said? He goes, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Second Timothy, he goes, I did not give you a spirit of fear. Some of you need to put your name right in there. Hey, wake up. He has not given you a spirit of fear. But what kind of spirit? It's a spirit of power. It's a spirit of love. Some of you need to hear this. It's a spirit of self-control. King James Version says it's sound mind. If that ain't something we're struggling with in 2023. A sound mind. He's given you a spirit makes your mind whole. Some of you just need to receive that again today. Wholeness. When was the last time your mind was truly at peace? Well, you breathed in the presence of God, breathed out praise to the Lord without fear, without worry, just with the perfect peace that is found in Christ where there is no fear and love. Just perfect peace, perfect love. The Lord wants to do that for you. And again, the commandment summed up in one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Again, love does no harm to a neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. But then look at this. Paul goes on. He says, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. He's letting them know Jesus is coming back. So what are we going to do? He says, put aside the deeds of darkness. Stop playing the game. Put aside the seeds of darkness. But instead, what did he say? Put on the armor of light. Church, put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently. As in the daytime. Don't you love the day? Not the night, the day. Not in carousing. Not in drunkenness. 
Not in sexual immorality. Stop playing the game, church. Not in debauchery, not in dissension, not in jealousy. Rather, you know what you should do? Because God is so for you and he loves you and he has a plan for you. And he wants to see you just live like abundant life, flourishing, healthy, whole, clean life. You know what you should do? You got to get Jesus on you again. You need to clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So good, isn't it? That's just the word of God. The word of God. Life stream Jesus is coming back. Did you know that? He's coming back. He's the soon and coming king. Now, I don't know when. And if I'm honest, we've had a few giants of the faith here at LifeSpring who were actually like really convinced that Jesus was coming back before they would die. And they have all died. And Jesus has still not come back. Some of you right now are telling me the same thing. I would just say as your pastor, instead of worrying so much about when he's coming back, my challenge is simply this. That you'd live in such a way to where you are ready for him to come back. Are you ready? Church, is there oil in your lamp? You know, the the ten virgins in Matthew 25, five of them had enough oil, but five of them did not. And yet the bridegroom, he's coming. Are you ready? Again, I honestly believe this. That one way you show that you're ready is how you live for God, but also in how you love others. So put it aside. Put aside the, the deeds of darkness. You are a child of God. Remember who and whose you are. A child of God fitted perfectly with the armor of light. And so if partying or alcohol, sexual immorality, coarse joking, dissension, envy, jealousy, if any of those things are a part of your life right now, well then today is the best day ever. Because by His grace and His mercy, repent. 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 I've heard of churches that don't even use the S word anymore. I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about sin. Repent of your sin. It's one of the healthiest things you could do. Is to repent. Allow God and His grace and His mercy and His love to wash over you again. Flee from sin. Repent and turn. Flee from sin. Confess your sins one to another. Be brave. Be courageous. Bring it into the light. You are no longer a person of darkness. No more hiding in the darkness. No, because of Jesus who is coming back soon. Repent. Turn. Yield. Just surrender. Whatever you got to do, fight for it. Just with everything you've got, hunger for His righteousness. Hunger for Jesus. Hunger to be one that will be known as a lover of people, a lover of God at Jesus' higher standard of love. I want to close with this. Worship team, come on up. When you guys are ready, you can start playing. But I I just feel this. If the Lord is stirring your heart at all, and I get that I've been poking into all the places, and I'm poking because I love you, and I want freedom for you. I want freedom for us. This isn't to destroy us. This is to save us. The Lord wants to save us. The Lord wants us to be a bright and shining light. He wants this whole region that is in chaos and darkness to see a new way to be human. That there would be hope of a way out. A hope of actually treating one another in ways that are full of love. True, godly love. Again, the world's version, it's exposed and it is not working. But we have the answer in Jesus. And so he's stirring my heart. I I hope some of you, your heart is being stirred today. And then again, can we just admit that the only way to do this is by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need His help. We need His help. 
We have to depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit to follow his command, to love others with his love. We need him. We need him. We need him. If you want to be ready for his return, we need him. Terry, go ahead and start playing whenever you can. We need him. Again, I want to put up on the screen, verse 14. Clothe yourselves with the Lord. Only you know what you're going through right now. Only you know the thoughts and the attitudes that you're struggling with, the choices you're willingly and purposefully making again and again that are destructive and causing damage to not just you but those around you. And yet today, God's love and grace is so powerful. He's done it for me. He can do it for you. But you got to clothe yourself. Do you see the action in this? This isn't a magic trick, and it doesn't happen forcibly upon you. You have to choose to clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have to choose to not think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. So don't give that stuff any oxygen. People have been telling me a lot lately that I'm, I'm just a little much. That, I mean, for a while now, it's like, what? Like, and you don't do that and you don't go there and you, you're just some like boring goody two-shoe. Like, who are you? I'm not going to try to defend myself at the end of my life. Hopefully my track record will defend itself. But don't go to that website. You know the one I'm talking about. It's the one that everyone around you has told you it's okay to go there. But your spirit has told you to run away. Don't go to that party. Yes, you were invited. And yes, it might make your friend mad because you didn't come. But what is better than waking up on a, what, a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning knowing that you don't have to regret the choices from the night before? Don't buy that alcohol. Don't watch that movie. Do not go there. Flee from darkness. Flee from anything that is causing others harm. But maybe I'd even say this, that is also causing you harm. It's not just causing people around you harm. It's, it's hurting your soul hurting you. Stop hurting yourself. Love causes no harm. And then I'd say this, and also flee from anything that is causing you to live in fear. Some of our minds are in a scary place right now, and yet the Lord wants to come and bring healing. And yes, he can use therapists and counselors and and medication, all those types of things, but he wants to be a part of the solution. He wants to speak the better things of communion, the better things of his body broken for you and his blood shed for you, the better things of the eternal abundant life that he died for you to have. We do not have to live in fear. We can put on Christ, clothe ourselves with Christ. Don't you just feel, I feel, he's such, his presence is so real in this room. His peace is so real in this room. His, his wholeness is here, available to every one of us to wash over us again, to wash over us. That we could leave here loving as he has first loved us. So we're going to sing together. But as we sing this song, I think some of us need to use this opportunity, this moment, to receive a touch from the Lord. And only you know your story. So each person is going to be different. But that we would have this moment here 
by his grace, not because of anything you've done, by his grace, a moment to say, God, I'm leaving it all behind. Breathing in your presence, your wholeness and your peace, to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ, and that I would leave here empowered, strengthened, to not act like the world is acting, this crazy, chaotic world, but the love. I can do this in Christ and by his strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. I can do this. I will love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I will love others as myself. So let's receive that fresh infilling of the Lord. Uh, prayer team, if you wouldn't mind coming up, maybe some of the pastors as well, and just allow them to pray for you. After they pray for you, you can go back to your seat. But at this time, if everyone would stand, and we're going to sing this together, I want to be available to pray for you as well. But just, again, receive a fresh infilling of the Lord that everyone would leave fully empowered to love the Lord and love others as ourselves. Amen? Amen.